Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Every day, all of us here are presented, faced with a countless number of decisions we need to make. Um, And it seems like it's only getting worse, right? Like day by day, there's only more decisions that are presented to us. Uh, The the easy example to think about this in, and one that I hear often, is uh, ordering a cup of coffee, right? You used to be able to walk into a restaurant and you only had a couple options, a couple decisions to make. Did you want it black or with cream? Maybe add sugar. Did you want decaf or regular? And that was it. And now you walk into Starbucks and you have about 17,000 choices and decisions presented to you, right? Once you decide whether you want cream, you have to decide what kind of cream. Half and half, whole milk, 2% skim, almond milk, soy. What kind of sugar do you want? Do you want Splenda or Stevia or sugar in the raw? Uh, What kind of coffee do you want? Uh, Just saying coffee isn't enough. Do you want the light roast, the dark roast, the medium roast? The decisions are endless. They're countless. Uh, Well, actually not countless. Uh, I was reading an article this week by someone who counted the number of decisions we have to make each week. I am glad I did not have that job, Uh, but someone did, and they said that on average, and of course each of us is different, each day is different, on average we are presented with how many decisions would anyone guess? Any guesses here? A hundred? Thousand? Anna? A million? A little high. What? Eight thousand? A little low? Uh, the, the actual number was 35,000. Each day, we have to make 35,000 decisions. It's hard to believe, right? But if, if you go through uh, your day, right, it starts from the moment you get up. You have to decide, am I going to hit the snooze or will I just keep on or will I get up right away? Uh, what am I going to wear? The t-shirt or maybe it's cold outside. I'll wear a sweater. What am I going to eat for breakfast? Uh, in fact, this uh, same article said that just when it comes to food, Every day we have 237 decisions to make just about the food that goes into our mouths every day. Uh, There are so many decisions. And sometimes uh, this can leave us feeling overwhelmed. And maybe you know the feeling, right? Where you sit down on on the couch at the end of the night and you have 10,000 channels and you can't even decide what to watch for TV. It's like this burden. Oh, what am I going to watch? Or you, you can't figure out where to go to eat. Someone's going to cook you the food, but the decision of where, where to go is overwhelming. Um, uh, this is only getting worse. Psychologists have actually come up with a term for this. It's called decision fatigue. It's that feeling we have of being tired of making decisions. It weighs on our mind, and sometimes it just feels like too much. Uh, the, the truth is that they've found that our, our brain can only handle making so many decisions each day. And anything past that, we just kind of shut down. And so what happens with decision fatigue, and maybe you felt this, is that you, you feel very indecisive. You go back and forth trying to make a decision. And then once you do decide, you second-guess yourself. You wonder. You, you change your mind. Uh, maybe, maybe you felt this way. I'm, I'm, I'm probably most definitely... Uh, overstating things a little bit. Uh, this, uh, we are still able to function, although we have a lot of decisions. Um, but the truth is, you probably all know what I mean, right? You probably all had those times where you've stayed up late at night trying to decide something. What color are you going to paint the walls? Um, or what are you going to have on the menu for the party next weekend? And it can feel like a lot. We, we can be very indecisive sometimes. And so I don't know about you, but I admire decisive people. In fact, we, we value decisiveness in our leaders, whether it's a, a president or a pastor or a teacher or a police officer or, sir, or, or whoever, right? We want someone who can make a decision 
and stick to it and see it through. And when I see that, I, I admire that, that, that decisiveness in people. You've probably all seen it. You've known people who are decisive. I, I can think of one example uh, of a relative I have uh, who will go nameless. But this person, uh, several year, years ago, made a decision that they have stuck to. Uh, they decided to help out a neighbor that lived down the street from them. And uh, at, at first, this decision just involved buying them groceries once a week or so, maybe taking them to the bank, uh, helping out little tasks. This neighbor was elderly and a hard time getting around, uh, didn't really have any other family. And so uh, this relative of mine decided to help them out and uh, would do these little tasks here and there. But as time has gone on and that neighbor has become more elderly, um, less able to do things, uh, has become sicker and sicker, they now live in a nursing home. And my relative goes and sees them just about every day, uh, now takes care of every aspect of their life from uh, doctor's visits to bank accounts and things like this. And uh, and it's a lot, and, and this neighbor, to be quite honest, isn't all that thankful, which makes the, the, the decision even harder. And there have been times where I've gone to this relative and tried to change their mind, uh, very piously, of course. Uh, but I've tried to say things like, you know, y- y- you could find someone else to help your neighbor. God will provide a way, won't he? And this is a lot for you, and she's not that nice to you, so... So why don't you just walk away? Why don't you change your mind? Uh, why don't you decide to help someone else and let God figure out a way to help that neighbor? But they had made this decision, and they have stuck to it, and nothing has changed their mind. And I admire that. And you've probably seen that too, that decisiveness. Uh, it's that decisiveness, I think, that we see in Jesus today. Uh, he has made a decision, and nothing will change his mind. Uh, What he's decided to do, and and we heard in the beginning of our gospel reading out in the entryway today, was that Jesus has decided to go to Jerusalem. We heard that in the very opening words. He's on his way to Jerusalem, and he has made that decision, and nothing is going to stop him. And he's going there, not uh, on vacation, not for uh, a guy's weekend with his other friends, the disciples, not just to hang out. Jesus is, is going to Jerusalem. He has decided to go there because that's where the cross is. And he is determined to get there. And nothing is going to change his mind. No one will get in his way. Uh, He is going to see it through. He is going to stick it out. It's amazing, his decisiveness. Because if you think about all through the history of God's people, plenty of people have done things that might cause, I don't know, us, if we were in that position, to change our minds. After all, God had to deal with the Israelites, right, who were very indecisive people. They were with God one day, they were against him the next. One day they were praising God, the next day they were making a golden calf. And it might have been easy for God to say, enough, I'm done with it, I'm going to change my mind. These people are not worth it. Uh, Satan tried to change Jesus' mind. And if you think about that story where Jesus goes into the desert right after he's been baptized and he fasts for 40 days and the devil comes to him with three temptations, one of which is, Jesus, if you just bow down before me, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world. Everything you see will be yours, Jesus. And that sounds pretty tempting. Might cause me to change my mind. But, but Jesus is determined. He's resolute. Uh, nothing will stop him. Not even his disciples In the coming days, as Jesus continues to make his way to Jerusalem to that cross, his disciples are going to do a lot of things that that might have caused him to change his mind. One of them betrays him, another one denies him, all of them scatter and hide and run away when Jesus needs them the most. And yet even these 
indecisive disciples won't stop Jesus. He won't give up on them. He won't turn his back on them. He continues to march forward to Jerusalem, to the cross. Nothing will stop him, even what the crowds are doing for Jesus today. Uh, in our reading, we heard about these crowds and over three, Jesus' three-year ministry. They've seen some amazing things, haven't they? Uh, if anyone's been paying attention, they've seen Jesus heal people and teach these amazing lessons. And just recently, uh, they've, they've seen the, the cherry on top of the Sunday. They've seen Jesus raise a man from the dead. And now they want to take this Jesus and make him king, a king of Israel. They want to bring him to Jerusalem to anoint him, put a crown on his head and bow down before him. And, and so they pick up these palm branches in our reading and they begin to wave them. And, and they pick those palm branches up not just because they're convenient, because there happen to be palm trees around, but because palm branches in Jesus' day had a whole lot of significance, a lot of symbolic meaning. Uh, in, in fact, throughout Israel's history, when, when their armies would come back victorious from a battle, Israelites would often wave those palm branches to proclaim their victory. As the kings and the armies returned from faraway places, the Israelites would wave these palm branches very often, and they carried a whole lot of significance and symbolism. And, and in fact, by Jesus' day, a, a palm branch was almost like Israel's national flag. And so what we see going on in our reading for today would be like, if Jesus were here among us today, if we lined the streets to Washington, D.C., ready to put Jesus uh, in the White House as president as we waved our American flags, uh, kind of welcoming him in. Uh, that's what's going on today. And, and Jesus needs to make it clear, as soon as they pick up the palm branches, that that was not the decision he made. That's not why he's coming, to be some earthly king, to have them wave this nationalistic flag in his face. No, Jesus, uh, in our reading, it's interesting, as soon as they pick up the palm branches, Jesus gets on a donkey. <laughs> because a donkey was not an animal fit for a king or a president today. And Jesus is making it clear that, that he came for a different purpose than what they had in mind. Jesus did not come just to fulfill their, their greatest dreams and wishes. Jesus came, he had decided to go to a cross, to lay down his life, and nothing, not even this crowd before him today, with all of their misapplied praise, would get in Jesus' way. Uh, and here's what I'd really like to remind you of today. You will not get in Jesus' way. Nothing you do can change Jesus' mind. Isn't that amazing? Nothing you say, nothing you think, nothing in your past that you carry with you will ever change Jesus' love for you. He's decided he loves you and, and he lived that out on the cross. And, and so some of us, we are here today and we have a whole lot of baggage we're carrying. A whole past and history of, of things we've done and said and people that we have hurt that we are carrying with us. And, and with each passing day, sometimes it feels like that baggage is getting heavier. And sometimes we might be tempted to think that if God would see us for who we are, that he would change his mind about us, but he won't. He's decisive. He's resolute. And, and he went to the cross because he loves you. And, and others of us are here today, and, and we might look at the circumstances of our lives and think to ourselves, well, this must be God changing his life. As we look at our loved ones who die and the cancer that comes to us and our finances that are falling apart and our kids that we can't seem to control, we might think to ourselves, well, this is what it looks like for God to change his mind. It's pretty obvious he doesn't love me anymore. Uh, but Jesus has made his decision, brothers and sisters. It's been decided. 
He was going to go to Jerusalem, and he did, and he laid down his life for you, and nothing and no one will change his mind. And, and maybe others of us are here today, and, and we feel like we have a whole lot of catching up to do. And if we don't act fast, maybe Jesus will change his mind. Especially at a church like this, where so many people do so many things to serve the Lord, and we have so many talented people who give so much. And you might look at your own life and think, well, I've got to get my act together. Um, my church attendance hasn't been the best, and my Bible study has been poor, and I don't serve and sacrifice like I see so many other people doing, doing and, and maybe I've I, I got to get everything together before Jesus changes his mind on me. But brothers and sisters, he won't. Nothing you can do will change Jesus' mind about his love for you. And he showed you that, he proved you that on the cross, just how far he was willing to go for you and that nothing would get in his way. And that's why we're, we're praising him today as we are. Uh, we're still in Lent and we've been in this kind of somber, reflective season for about five weeks now and, and Good Friday's still a, ahead of us. And, and yet I think it's good for us today to pause that, that Lenten uh, uh, reflection and to give him our thanks and praise because Jesus is worth it. And so we sing our hosannas, which mean save us, Lord, and we sing those because Jesus has saved us. He made that decision and he saw it through. We, we wave our palm branches because Jesus is victorious. He did conquer sin. He, he did overcome death. He, he did defeat Satan by what he did on the cross there. Today we give our praise. We bow our knee. We come before him with everything we have Because Jesus is our decisive God who did whatever it took to show you that he loved you. And nothing will change that. In Jesus' name, amen.